We're literally debating that it's bad that people get to say what they think. Can you imagine? I'm reading Psalm 144 and it says, He trains my hands for war. We are on the brink of total destruction of America as we know it. Let your rebel flag fly. Welcome back in. Second half, Alabama Unfiltered Radio with Scott Beeson. Amy Beth Shaver is with me. So is Allison Sinclair. I wanted to give Eric the dog the last word. Eric, because I knew you had something uh, very wise to say. So uh, I want to give you the last word before we go to our guest. Well, mostly just an observation of what y'all are saying. I was watching something on TV last night, and I got this ad, and I watched it, and it was some person with uh, a mustache they couldn't quite seem to cover up, so... They decided to dress up like Michael Jackson or Prince. That's awful. All right. And I, I'm look. I'm dead serious. I turned around, and looked at my wife, and I said, "What in the hell did we just watch? And what were they trying to sell us?" And for the life of me, I don't know. So my only thing is, they're trying to sell the idea that you know this is okay and this is what you should do. And if you're a woman with a mustache instead of waxing it like most women do. I guess I don't know. I don't know that to be true. Don't real women try to avoid any semblance of a mustache? Uh, yeah, yes. I mean that's why they don't. That's why women don't shave. Uh, you know, I thought maybe I don't know. What do I know? I'm just a stupid guy that's been married for a long time, and I'm way out over my skis here. Uh, but <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently, you know, you should lean into it. You should get you some bronzer. I guess that's what that stuff is, and smear it on top of there. And Look and it, just you know go. get you a glove and some and some sparkly shoes and <laughs> play some Michael Jackson and some Prince and buddy the world is your oyster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <Get> <laughs> Eric, appreciate you, brother. <laughs> All right, y'all. Adios. Thanks, man. Did you see the singer with the hair under her arms this weekend? I have not seen that since I was fortunate enough to go to Germany. You know what? I'm with you, Luxembourg. I was shocked. I'm like, wow, this is what we're doing here. But she was singing something this weekend. We watched a lot of basketball. Mm-hmm. May have been, oh, it was at the show before the final four. And she's a very popular singer, mm-hmm. apparently. Mm-hmm. Raises her arms. I'm like, oh my gosh. So we're just trying to make it all normal. All of it. It's so gross. I, I mean, I can handle that more than really more than a stash. I mean, no, I'm not doing that. But no, not more than a no. But what I think is worse than Eric the dog. You need to know this because this seems pertinent to you. Did you know that Bud Light has put Dylan Mulvaney on their cans? Did y'all talk about that yet? Mm-hmm. Barely. Barely though. But okay. We'll get back to it. Yeah, we'll get. Do you want to hear the first time I've ever? Is another tragic moment that I can't forget. There, there's been multiple tragic moments. Um. This one was, we had a chance to go to Germany. I think I was, just started college, I think it was. And we're there, and we go to this little restaurant, and the lady comes out to bring her drinks. And she's an attractive, you know, maybe early college, about my age, Mm -hmm. German girl. And I'm thinking, okay, all right, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. And she reaches out to hand me my drink, and she had more (laughs) hair under her arm than about any guy I know. Like she took a stuffed animal and glued it under there. I was like, holy moly, we're not in Gardendale, Alabama anymore. It's traumatizing. And it was. I, I mean, I can remember it like it was yesterday. There are things that happen that you can't forget. And I was 
It, it was. And it's very funny because I can still <laughs> see the lady handing me strawberries and cream. And the You're cream, like, I, I realized, I thought it was going to be fluffy whipped cream because we were just stopping for a snack. Yes. And she handed it over, and I was like, <gasps> I was 12. I was horrified. <laughs> so when I saw the girl raise her hand this weekend, great right. voice, enjoyed whatever song she was singing. Mm-hmm. But I thought, Clearly wow. Talented. In addition to Eric the Dog's commercial that I also saw, I don't know what they're selling, but any woman. I've never known a woman that's like, yes, I would like to wear a mustache. <laughs> this is what this is the look I'm going to go for. <laughs> Horrifying. Anywho, anywho. Well, how about let's just press break. Okay. And talk about something that's happening. Well, you in know, Alabama. remind me sometime in the near few weeks, I'll tell you about my my Pennsylvania story. It was you also talk, traumatizing. You can't talk badly about my. Well, she, the, the, the person I saw might not have been from Pennsylvania. She was visiting. Okay. She All wasn't right, a Pennsylvanian. We'll she was visiting from it's somewhere. We're, so we're gonna come so back we got a guest, that. and you're going to. We have up. a guest, and we love this guest. Uh, she is a good friend of the show. We're already going to just declare it right now. It's Christine Carr. How are you today? Oh, I am great and enjoying your show already. You know, I'm thankful that we're doing this via radio. I think I would have been a little self-conscious, you know, about any upper lip situation, you know, if I wouldn't have been here. <laughs> okay. I'm glad to do Chris, this uh, by phone. <laughs> yeah. It, you know what? It's easier. It's easier that way. Plus, we can wear sweatpants and yoga pants and it doesn't matter anymore. We'll no, they, don't, they don't have to brush their hair at all. No, none. That's What's right. That's right. I'm very, very comfortable today. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Christine, tell us, mm-hmm. you have been on top of the medical marijuana bill and slash debacle that um, it, it kind of masquerades as a good bill as, quote, medical marijuana. Um, I look at the bill in general and I see a bunch of opportunity for corruption, for the government's favorites to get rich, for a lot of abuse. I have a 20-year-old that's in um, college. 19-year-olds can walk in and get their own medical marijuana card. I mean, these colleges have no clue what's coming. Law enforcement, like, I just see this being a disaster. And you have been on top of it from the beginning. One of the things after the bill passed in 2021 that stuck out to you very quickly was what are the impact of these law changes on the unborn, on our babies? Um, And you have taken that and started, you've written the, what is the SAFE? Can you tell me what the act is called? Yeah, it's called the Drug-Free Babies Act. There you go. Mm -hmm. And so tell us a little bit about that and how it would amend and change the law that passed in 2021. Mm -hmm. Well, um, the the law that was passed, you know, it does, it has uh, over 100 pages long and uh, it is pretty in-depth with regulatory passages uh, telling the dispensaries what to do or transporters, you know, that type of thing. But there's a couple of dirty secrets about this law, which is, it, it has almost no clear-cut protections for babies, for children, for families, for public safety. You know, people can be on this stuff and still drive um, up to a certain dosage. Um, and so whether or not, you know, you want to get into uh, the weeds, I guess pun intended, about the, the lack, <laughs> the lack of uh, the, the science that continues to come out um, every year, uh, continuing to... 
uh, debunk the use of whole plant marijuana for a vast array of medical issues, you know, we could put that to the side. One thing we, we, we know for certain is that it has no place at all being exposed to babies and uh, the preborn, the newborn, and to children. Uh, the data is so strong, and it's getting stronger and stronger uh, by the month. Uh, there's so much coming out about this. So, um, yeah, I've been talking about that. And last year, we, we had uh, the first go-around for the unborn protection bill, is what we called it last year. And it was soundly um, kind of manipulated into defeat uh, by a few key people in leadership uh, that are, um, you know, more more uh, sympathetic to the cannabis lobby. And so we're trying it again this year. And it's just very basic, and it already follows the really good guidelines for, you know, that the FDA has already put forth for an acne medicine. And so we're just trying to close that loophole where we have nothing in the law that mentions uh, protecting the unborn or preventing a pregnant woman from purchasing marijuana and using it. So what would this look like? Would it look a lot like what patients have to go through as they take um, Accutane now? I mean, we already have a process in place. So what is the objection to this happening for uh, medical marijuana? Uh, Yeah, so the, um, the medicine Accutane, most people know about it. You know, I took it when I was a teenager um, and, you know, it helps prevent acne. But it is also what we call highly teratogenic. And uh, for years, the medical establishment tried various ways of making sure that uh, girls and women that took it, you know, did not get pregnant. And so, you know, at first they would require using, um, you know, you had to you had to promise you weren't going to do that. Then you had to prove you were on several different types of birth control. And now there's this uh, program called the iPledge program from the FDA. It requires that. Um, a physician confirmed with two negative pregnancy tests before their um, prescription is written. And then there has to be a negative pregnancy test uh, uploaded to the pharmacist every month whenever the patient picks up their acne medicine. And so we're following that a lot. We're, we're actually even easier on patients within the medical marijuana program. We're only requiring that the cannabis physician confirm negative pregnancy status with one test. And um, and then we're just also following along the same guidelines that the FDA uses for Accutane, that a woman of pregnancy potential um, has to have a negative pregnancy test on file so they can go to any doc in the box, any certified lab, any, any office that administers a pregnancy test. And then that office can upload it to their patient registry that's already set up with the AMCC, which is the Alabama Medical Cannabis Commission. And then when they go to the dispensary to purchase their product, the dispensary worker will have to verify that negative pregnancy test within their patient registry so that they can purchase their marijuana product. Um, that, that's the so side Christine, that let, let me management. ask a real quick question sure, to jump sure. in. That does. That seems non-controversial. Correct. Why is the struggle? <laughs> what kind of response are you getting from legislators who, you know, I'm sure they got their talking points from somebody. What are they saying when they're when they're telling you, "Well, I might have an issue with this." Well, there's a lot of really great legislators that get it right off the bat. They completely understand okay. the need for it. They understand 
yes, this is something that we need to do, whether or not they support the, the concepts behind the medical marijuana program or not. They understand, yes, this makes sense, let's do this. Um, and so, you know, fortunately we have just amazing representatives such as Senator Shay Shelnut out of Trustful and uh, mm-hmm. Representative Susan DuBose. You know, it didn't take long for them to, to catch on and say, oh yes, I'm happy to sponsor this for you. Um, we only have a small subset of a few uh, representatives that uh, listen to the cannabis lobby and the mm-hmm. cannabis lobby does not want this. They don't want anything that's going to, you know, um, place some concerns on cannabis or on marijuana. They don't want people to know that it's harmful to babies. They don't want people to uh, think twice before trying to come out and get the product. They're afraid that it might hurt their bottom line. And what we've seen with Accutane, it doesn't really hurt the bottom line. Yes, it is an extra step or two. But it's something that has been shown to work, and it's something that's worth it, you know, to protect exposure to babies and to the newborns so that they're not, um, they're not being faced with damage to their brains, you know, the congenital birth defects that come with it. I mean, this is like one of the worst for developing babies. Um, you know, the thalidomide scare from the 70s where you had a medicine that resulted in babies being born without limbs cannabis does that you know we heard about the zika virus scare where babies were born with encephaly cannabis does that um, and of course the uh, multitude of facial and and head related deformities from accutane exposure cannabis does that and a slew of other things it contributes to heart defects multiple types of heart defects in babies and the list goes on there's also a very clear-cut relationship between the use of cannabis and rates of autism. And so now we have predictive models that as states loosen their marijuana laws, we see rates of autism cases rise. And we could start to predict that by say 2030, Alabama could see this percentage of autism increase. And it's not just from the women, it's from the men. We found now that- Christine, stick with us if you will, because I've got a couple other questions. Um, This is Alabama Unfiltered Radio with Scott Beeson. We'll be right back. Christine Carr is on with us. And, Christine, we appreciate you taking time. We also appreciate what you're doing at the Alabama legislature. And I want to ask a question. Earlier in the show, you probably didn't hear it, but Amy Beth and I were talking about just kind of the brainwashing that we get. It was a totally different subject. But I think that there are millions of Americans who have this viewpoint. I can remember being told things like, oh, it'd be better if you would smoke marijuana than drink a beer. Um, no, marijuana is <laughs> right. wonderful for you. It's going to make you study better. It's just, I mean, it is a miracle weed that just helps you do everything, makes you smarter. Cure it. And you're telling me things I have never heard. And Abset was saying something during the break about some of the different... Well, I mean, if we're talking about prescribing medical marijuana, it's something that my husband does. I'm sure Christine has had the opportunity to do as well, but it's only a few of his patients. He says, I don't have a problem, but it's so rare and not necessary. This is for the people that, um, th- you know, nausea. There's a couple reasons these why are, he These are the people it. that are always used but in the they, committee hearings. Yes, there, there's, there's this one person out there yes. out of... But he's stressed that it is that very is rare. Very medically needed yes. is focused. Yes, very rare. And so, Christine, and, and we, we may were kind be of talking texting. about. 
Yeah, you may be talking also about the, the real medical cannabis, which are FDA-approved yes. medications, such as right. Dialex, Marinol, Sesame Syndrome. You know, and those are um, very, very strictly regulated, you know, processed, FDA-approved. A doctor can actually write a prescription, insurance pays for it, uh, and you can actually get it from a real pharmacy, and doctors can use it for off-label purposes. What we're, what we're getting now, we already have that available for patients, but we're getting now is just basically whole plant marijuana that's processed with all of its hundreds of chemicals that have very different uh, drug interactions and interactions with different disease processes. And, you know, one of the other, you know, we're talking about babies right now, but one of the, the big red flags in our current law, there is nothing set up within our law or within the rules process for adverse effects or adverse events reporting, nothing. So when someone has an adverse event, there's nothing set up to support that patient. And so what are some of the the adverse effects that are real that we don't know enough about? Well, for example, if you have someone with cardiovascular disease, uh, the American Heart Association and pretty much any legitimate peer-reviewed article says do not take cannabis if you have any inkling of heart disease because... THC will increase what we call uh, vascular resistance, which is just basically making the blood vessels squeeze harder. You can develop vaso-occlusive disease. It increases heart rate. It increases heart rate disease. It increases risk of stroke. It can also increase the clotting cascade. Uh, people that say, for example, if you're on warfarin or coumadin, it's another name for it. It's a blood thinner. It's very common. The uh, you know cannabis is highly active on certain receptors within the liver that are involved with processing hundreds of different medications. And they can either inhibit the activity of a medicine or increase its rate. So for Coumadin, for example, uh, you will affect a a key enzyme in the liver and it will make the blood thinner. So then you put that patient at a higher risk for a a bleed in the brain, per se, or, or much thinner blood. That's just the tip of the iceberg on the potential for adverse reactions. Then there's the psychoses and the schizophrenia. Um, and then when we're going back to looking at our babies, there's the absolute fact about birth defects, lower IQ, autism, both from the mother exposure and from the father using marijuana. Whoa, 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 wait a minute now. So so if the guy, the, the, the dude is using it, we're talking about real male, yes. males, right, with male parts. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes. He's using marijuana, so it, it affects his um, sperm count, sperm quality. It I actually mean. causes DNA damage, and there's a field of study called epigenetics. So um, all cannabis, including CBD, they all contain a molecule called olivetol, and you can't have cannabis without it. And it's one of the key molecules that makes cannabis carcinogenic. In fact, a new study came out this past year in 22 concluding that all cannabis is more carcinogenic than alcohol or tobacco. In fact, it causes the kind of DNA damage in both the egg and the sperm that causes a transgenerational, what we call oncogenesis, meaning you're passing on damaged DNA, increased risk of cancers to your children and to your grandchildren. Now, speaking of further damage to the sperm, um, it's also, it's not just through DNA damage, it's also through something called methylation, which is part of epigenetics. And all that means 
is that marijuana changes the signaling on the DNA as well. And most of the time, when you're seeing increases in autism or behavioral disorders or low IQ in children, it's from the father's sperm. So I was at a a conference last year in Montgomery, and it was a a, a huge conference on substance abuse and youth addiction. And I was the keynote speaker there last year and spoke about this. And there were teenage girls who were very in tune to that point. And they concluded by saying, I don't ever want to marry a guy who's been on weed or anything like that. Mm. So I think if we got that word out and uh, marijuana is starting to become the new cooties, um, and if a guy realizes that a girl doesn't want him because he's been using either Delta 8, Delta 10, Delta Ot, marijuana, you know, Delta 9, whatever those variants, um, the increased risk of cancer, autism, birth defects, it comes from the daddy as well. Wow. That's amazing. I've never heard that. And considering all the stuff that we're told about how great it is, you were telling me things... This data has been out heard. since uh, twenty. This has been out since 2015, 2016. Mm. Wow! Since since way before the state of Alabama and its brilliance um, allowed medical marijuana, where I can say I'm really anxious. You should have. What some. are you anxious about, Scott? Well, I'm anxious. I won't be able to buy marijuana from my supplier. So, can I get it legally? Well, yes, you can, my poor anxious child. <laughs> so, well, Christine, and we only have a few minutes left. But sure. how can people get? What do you need us to do to reach out to our legislators? How can we help you? We definitely, you know, obviously the Drug-Free Babies Act is more than uh, good medicine, okay? It's at this very basic. It is good medicine because of clinical management and informed consent. We want to make sure that both men and women are informed about the reproductive and DNA toxic effects of the product they're receiving. But this is also a pro-life issue. Uh, the Alabama Pro-Life Coalition, other pro-life, family, and faith-related organizations highly endorse this bill. And so people need to call their representatives, their state representatives, their state senators, and ask them to sign on, to support this bill, and to make sure it passes. We only have a very small group of people in leadership in the legislature that are trying to slow it down or thwart it or make sure that it doesn't get through. But the vast majority really do. So we just need a grassroots effort. Call your state senators, call your representatives and ask them to make sure the Drug-Free Babies Act passes in 23. You got it. Thank you, Christine. We appreciate the work you're doing and uh, good luck to you and God bless. And maybe y'all have. I've never heard the story of Donald Trump bragging that he sleeps with his friends' wives. I never heard that one. Um... I did read something very, very recently that um, said he never slept with uh, Stormy Daniels. The the guy who, uh, and Stormy Daniels said that, I think, or signed a, a, a document that, that said that. So, I, look, I'm not saying that uh, he is pure. I'm also not saying that he hadn't run around on his wives. I also know he's like some kind of germaphobe or has always been a germaphobe, which was always fascinating to me. I'm like, if you're a real germaphobe and you don't want to shake my hands, are you really chasing women? Because the women that will just, like, get with you quickly because you got a bunch of money, you're probably not the first, probably won't be the last. So you would think the germaphobes would be like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> um, I'm just saying. I'm, that's a legitimate but question. But they're hot germs. It? Oh, hot germs are different. Yes. Okay. 
I got you. Hey, Jason, I do, I do want to ask this before I pass it off. Um, would it matter to you, and I don't know the answer to this, would it matter to you um, if Donald Trump had gotten saved or was saved or didn't saved or was repentant? D does that kind of thing matter to you at all? And then also, well, I'll ask you that one first. Uh, it, I mean, it would, because biblically, if, if you repent, then, then God washes your slate clean. And so if he does it, I, I don't have a heaven or hell to send you to. But but the fact of the matter is he has it. As a matter of fact, when he was asked point blank, has he ever asked God for forgiveness? He said he doesn't have to. He yeah, that was early in the campaign. I remember that statement, no doubt about I, 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 it. Was, Let me ask you this. Would you would you vote for King David? Say what now? If if King David was on the ballot today in America, would you vote for King David, the God, the person that God said is a man after my own heart, or Solomon? Um, I don't know. I or don't know. Noah, um, or Moses. I mean, I, I Moses killed a guy, and he ended up still leading the. Uh, the uh, Israelites out of Egypt. King David slept with somebody who's not his wife and then decided to kill that person's husband. husband. Um, so there's a, there's a bunch of stories. And I'm not, I'm not making Donald Trump kin to them, but what I don't want to happen, Jason, is that we fall into this trap that says you can't be for Scott because he's not perfect. You can't be for Donald Trump for he's not perfect. And then at the same time that we won't be for Scott or Donald Trump or Amy Beth or Allison or Jason because they're not perfect, and maybe they've got a lot of warts, we will allow people who are adamantly opposed to the gospel, adamantly opposed to Christianity, because we spent our time trying to say, well, he's not perfect, he's reaping what he sowed. And, and here's the other thing about reaping what he sowed. Yeah. Even if he did horrible things, they knew about those things for years. You said it yourself. He has been a, a public person since the 80s. They knew about these things for years and years and years and years, and they dug and they did everything they possibly could. And I don't think you or I believe that they just now recently stumbled across 40-something felonies. After all these years and all these years, that's what proves that this is completely political. And if they can do it to him, they can do it to me, and they can do it to you. Now, I'm not disagreeing that we need to have better standards. I wish we had a Donald Trump that didn't have the baggage, didn't have the, um, the narcissism. But the fact of the matter is we, we really, really don't. And he has become the everyman just because it's kind of happened that way, Jason. Let me, let me ask you this question. Well, okay. well, first off, I appreciate your time. So I'll say... Yeah. The, the, difference, the distinction between Trump and the people you named out the Bible is the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart because David, even in the things that he did, he repented. He always I don't disagree. He, he found, That's right. He found a way to get back to where he needed to be. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, all the people you named experienced consequences for the things they did. They did. I, I don't disagree brother, with that. And look, look, Jason, there are consequences. My point I'm trying to make is. Charging Donald Trump with 42 felonies, I think it is, in 2023 is political 
because that's all they've got. That's all they can do. And they have made this up. You, you don't think they knew about that they didn't know about some of these things three years ago, four years ago, five years ago? Even, uh, what's the name of the publication? The Politico, I think it is, had um, someone saying that this is about making sure that Donald Trump either can't run for president, but if he can, that the independents will never vote for him because they will see him as tarnished and stained. And, that if, and that's what they're saying. So the point of it was to stain him, to keep people from voting for him. Now that tells me that it's all political. No, I guess, I guess my, my retort to that would be he's run in the general election twice, correct? Correct. Right, and, he, and each time he's lost the popular vote. The second time he lost it by twice as much as the first time, and he he lost to like the oldest white man ever to run for office. So, you, do you, James, you that think that for, you think that election was legitimate? Yeah, I think it's as legitimate as any other race that could have happened. But so you don't you don't think they you don't think they stole enough ballots to win Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia? Here's the thing: if I follow your logic. And I accept that they stole ballots in Georgia, Pennsylvania, wherever you say they stole them from. Yes. Then I would also have to acknowledge the fact that the people that stole it haven't been held accountable. There's nothing that has changed in the circumstance to prevent them from doing that again. So I, I, I don't disagree with you, Jason. I don't disagree with you at all. They could, they could steal a presidential election on that level and get away with it. Why do this? They could just steal it again. There's no reason for them to change up the game plan and add another layer to it and give it, to your point, energize the people that want to vote for Trump. They might as well just steal it again. Well, so, the problem is once you once you pull one scheme and people become more aware of the scheme, they're not 100% sure they can do it to that level again. So they're, they're trying to pull every lever. And, and don't get me wrong, Jason. You and I are not being uh, argumentative. We, we may disagree. But we're not being argumentative. Abs, did you have something or did I wander into saying no, I think, most of what I you think wanted? you wandered it. I think there are great points about sin and consequences, but I also think it brings up a fantastic discussion. Who are we actually voting for when we vote for president? Are we voting for our pastor or are we voting for the person who will do the least amount of evil? Hmm. That's a good question. Jason, buddy, I appreciate it, man. It's one of the most thought-provoking um, questions I've had in a while, brother. Good comments. And please uh, don't be a stranger to the show. Later. Later, buddy. Now, I mean, he brings up, look, it is a, it's a issue that a lot of evangelicals have had to wrestle with. Mm -hmm. And we're basically put in this position that says, hey, you're going to vote for him? He's an adulterer. And usually the person who's saying to him, I want to say, well, you might want to vote for you. You're fat. You're button. But I don't. Right. <laughs> But you thought and it. I thought it in my mind. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm like, boy, I know, I know, I'm, you're a jerk. You're, you're, you're mean. Or, or so. And my, and my point being, or you're a, you're a uh, rumor monger. You're, you're always talking about people, stabbing in the back. What are you, what are you giving me, lady? And it's, it's, it's kind of like they're, they're saying, hey, um, go ahead and throw away all the things that you think culture should be about. All the things that. Donald Trump has clearly been on our side, most pro-life governor, I mean, a president ever. And then they're basically saying, hey, you can't really be for those things, this guy who has done the things that you think are important because he has he's a flawed human being. 
And, and so and beef, Scott, beef for our stuff. You know what I'm saying? Remember, in, in the Bible, God even once used a jackass to speak for him. This is Balaam refused to do God's will. So Sky says vote for the jackass. Well, he is. He, let's face it. Trump is a jackass. He's arrogant. He he's brash. Be. He's boorish. He he's your, he's your New York. It's true. But it doesn't mean that God can't use anyone. Okay. Right. He used a jackass before. <laughs> but it's kind of maybe he did again. Who knows? Well, and the premise doesn't work though because it is holding up perfection. It's a straw man, right. perfection or nothing. Absolutely, that's not real. Right. We deal with reality as it is, a correspondent theory of reality. Reality as it is, we have two flawed men. One who took showers with his daughter, and we're supposed to vote for him because he's better. Nice. Or we go for Trump, who clearly is a philanderer. Take showers with so what other people's we, daughters. What, so what are we left with? <laughs> we're left daughters. with voting for the person who does the least amount of evil. And no, ne, neither guy or they're terrible if you're looking at character. But right. that's what we're left with. And we can't say, well, the people in the Bible don't count. They right. do count because right. the Bible says when he's talking about Elijah, he had a spirit just like we did, and yet he prayed, and right. six months, no rain. So we're dealing with real people and real problems. We've got to take the perfection out of the argument. That's a straw man. Two flawed people. Look at the evil. Which one has done the least? That's who you vote for. So one was sleeping with strange women in the past. And one is in bed with the communist Chinese. Correct. Okay, fair enough. I'm trying to make sure I get it all straight. This is Alabama Unfiltered Radio with Scott Beeson, Amy Beth Shaver, Allison Sinclair. Let's go to Ann, who has been unbelievably patient. Ann, welcome to the program. Thank you for your patience. And um, I don't know. I mean, patience is probably one of your strong suits. Otherwise, you would have, you know, accosted someone in Montgomery at some point. Absolutely. Um, yeah, patience. Uh, I'm born in January, and and we have definitely have patience. Um, you got it. Uh, so Ann is with the Alabama Legislative Watchdog Group, which is you need a bigger, you need a different term. It'll be like the Alabama Government Watchdog Group because y'all are involved in seeing what's happening at county levels, state levels, all the way down to uh, your local library. Is that fair? That's, well, you forgot national because we do national, too. But, yeah, that's yes, fair. Um, so, uh, y'all are on the road with me today. Uh, I have Julia Cleland with me. We're on our way to Montgomery. We have not arrived yet, but, you know, but there's only one really big meeting today, so we're kind of taking it slow. But I got a call from um, my friend John Rice, the, the uh, hand grenade, Uh that's his nickname, Hand Grenade. Okay, he likes good. throwing them. Um, about the Auburn Public Library putting in 150 books about in the children's department about LGBTQ, um, gay, lesbian. Uh, one of the book's names is Queer Duck. Uh, ha uh, one of them actually is is how to be how to be okay with being uh, uh, transgender. I mean, the books are absolutely awful. And there's a group down in Auburn, and a lady named Miss Balsh is going to call in right behind me because she is jumping up and down, and and they're going to do something about it. 
But I did some research on it, and I found out why it's so bad. Uh, right now, there's four board members, and, and two of them are going to drop off because in April of this year. Uh, but the um, head of that, Marsha Boosinger, is uh, from Auburn University. The okay. vice chair is the head of the Auburn University Library. And Daniel's, uh, which is uh, Bonnie McEwen. And then Daniel Surrey, which is the third member, is in a pharmacy department at the Auburn University. So their library is basically controlled by Auburn University people. And we know that their department of DEI, CRT, SEL, you know, they've got um, all sorts of things. Um, and they all belong to the American Library Association, which has the Library Bill of Rights, and it has equity of access issues and resources, specifically collections which represent LBGTQIA plus content or perspectives. And they're very aggravated when people go against what um, they don't want in the libraries. So the parents and some people down in Auburn are just uh, having a fit, and and I think that's something that needs to be brought out. We may be needing to check all libraries, municipal libraries, uh, county libraries, to see if they're doing the same thing because of what the American Library Association wants them to do. And we got the music coming up. We're talking with Ann Eubank, who has been... So let me get this straight, Ann. I want to make sure I get everything caught up to speed. We are talking about a public library in the state of Alabama that happens to be in Auburn, Alabama. Yes. And And because most of us in our state don't believe these things are going on in Alabama. And that's been one of our really big challenges here in our state because we just don't believe that's happening in our local community. And it may not be in, in some, but it is absolutely going on. And what, 140-something LGBTQ plus uh, grooming, normalizing, hey, this is our worldview, this is right, maybe you're part of this. I mean, look, Everybody is trying to influence not only us, but our children. We are trying to influence our children, but the world is trying to influence our children. And and I would say that the local public library where we take our kids, we care about our kids, we're like, hey, we want to we wanna instill in love for reading. Let's go to the library and get you some books, and you can get to check them out and bring your little stack of books home. Probably not the best place... For if you want to go buy these books, I'm not going to be one of those people who say if you want to go buy these books for your children, knock yourself out. I'm going to say if you want to go buy these books for your children, we need some other counseling. But I want people to realize this might be happening in their own libraries, and some of these books, like you talked about one of them earlier, was called Queer Ducks. Yes. Yep. And when you go read about the book Queer Ducks... <laughs> Sorry, I'm reading. Okay, I looked it up. Queer Ducks. The Natural World of Animal Sexuality. Queer Ducks and Other Animals. I guess it's going to tell us that 
animals are gay? Yes, there's yep. a lot of gay animals out there, especially the ducks. And, and there's another yeah. one that they found in the library called Everything You Need to Know About Bisexuality. This is just in, like, the family section. It used to be everything you need to know about bicycles, and then they changed it. The some, Survival some Guide for Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, <laughs> Transgender, and Questioning Teens. Okay, let's go get that book. Oh, my goodness gracious. There's a, there's a great line at the bottom of that summary of the queer duck. Something like how we can all be more like their animals or all be... What was we can, it? We can find our animal-like selves yes, or something. Yes, which is also one of those things where you're like, wait a minute, I thought we were trying to raise people who didn't act like animals, who were better because we're not... But doesn't that kind of... You know, we believe that people were made in God's image... The folks on the left believe we're just another animal, right? Right. So it all right. kind of fits all in there together, doesn't it, Ann? Well, you know, and we had another situation where the uh, school school library board tried to put the because at the behest of Alabama uh, the American Library Association to put them in the schools, and uh, Danny Garrett found out about it. And called Eric Mackey and said, "This needs to stop." Right. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know whether that's going to be, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be visiting some libraries to find out if they're there. I know the people who run Hoover Library are just a little bit liberal, so I'm thinking that they probably got some of that stuff snuck in there as well. But, well, there's, and, there's beginning and, to be there's beginning to be like a checkbox thing for uh, some of these libraries. There's a, there's a lot of pressure that says, "Hey, look, you you know you got the library over there in uh, I don't know Whoville, and uh, if your library is not doesn't have a bunch of these books, you're you're not cool, you're not hip, you're not really library esque." I mean, there is a movement that says, "Hey, you need to have this to check the box to say." You're progressive. You're open-minded, et cetera. Well, I'm not for progressive. I'm not for open-minded. But you're making a point, Ann, that I think Allison uh, had talked about earlier. I know a lot of her focus is on local. Yeah, so, Ann, I have to tell you that you've inspired me. Um, I'm taking my two kids, my two youngest kids today. We're going to go to the North Shelby County Library, and we're going to go through the children's section. And I told them, I'm like, y'all are going to have to open every single book. Like, I want by what the left is putting out there. If I have to see it, you have to see it. And my, I, I don't hope that there's any there, but if there are, we're going to check them out, and I'm going to bring them in, and we're going to read some of these lines out of these books. But how can, like, what do you need people to do? Is that what you need? Do you need us going to libraries? What? How can we help? Absolutely. And and there's a lady named Sue Ann Balsh that's probably already listed. Uh, Scott, she was supposed to call in right behind me that she is the one that's leading the charge in Auburn. And I think she would be better um, to tell you exactly what they're doing. But yes, people need to go to their libraries and and ask the people, why are these in this section? Especially if they're in the children's section. Now, if you mm -hmm. want to put those in the adult section or put them behind the, the you know, where they put the bad books or, you know, the counter and you have to ask for them, but to have them out where children, kindergarten through third grade, can see these types of books is just unacceptable. So I that's, agree, what, that's what we need to do. 
Thank you, Ann. I appreciate it because we want to move on to see Aunt Sue Ann as well. Personally, though, I would be like, why are you buying these books? Mm-hmm. There is a whole host of books, millions of books, mm-hmm. that can be positive influences. Why, why are you spending the library's limited funds on these books? I just think this should be a family. And I know, gosh, that that kids don't always have supportive families. But we have way overstepped our bounds where a child can walk in and diagnose themselves, decide they're going to be this. I mean, think about if, you've, if you're out of it, of having young kids, they change by the day. Mm-hmm. And you are just giving them all this information with potentially zero adult guidance. And that is terrifying. Or a crazed adult guidance. Or at at best, no adult guidance. might be their teacher. Probably. Unfortunately. Let's go to uh, Sue Ann. Sue Ann, welcome to the program. And uh, we appreciate the work you're doing and and glad that you called in. Hi, thank you. Uh, I'm sort of a reluctant Paul Revere is what I think of myself as at this point. Um, I was asked to go to the library board meeting, which I had never been to a library board meeting, ever, but I've worked as a guardian. I'm sure they are um, very exciting. Exactly. I had no idea that they were that (laughs) excited. Um, But I go there, and I'm in a room. I see a library board that is all five people, 100% pro-LGBTQ or possibly gay themselves. Okay. okay. I see a library staff that, from listening to them talk, is so enthusiastic about all the programs they're planning for children and and that kind of thing. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, this is great that they're doing so much for kids. You know? And then I see one patron of the library who has gone by there, and she's a grandmother, and, you know, and I'm a grandmother. But she's gone by there, and she started looking at books. And then she she starts seeing all this, this horrific stuff. And so she starts going to the library board meetings and becoming very vocal. So I watch this library board verbally attack this woman just because she was calling it to their attention about how absolutely positively disgusting what she was saying, you know, yes, was. And, and then... I said, I'm listening to it, and I'm here seeing her holding up pages out of some of these books, and I'm just not even believing it. I was almost in shock, because I've worked in the family court system in Lee County in the past, and I've seen a lot, and and it was 20 years ago, and yet it was a lot. It was so much that it drove me, excuse me, drove me out of family law and into immigration, so I'm not a porn expert. By any means. Yes, ma'am. I've never prosecuted a a, a child abuse case, but I've been guardian ad litem on child abuse cases before. And so when it was my turn to have my three minutes, I stood up and I said, Suanne, hold up just a second. We we got a break coming up just discussing what's happening in Auburn at their local library in the kids section. And the point is not to say, hey, I don't listen. They're 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 just talking about Auburn. What I'm the reason we're talking about it is this might be happening in your local library as well. Even in the nice little town where everybody, you know, knows everybody, we probably ought to go by and check and see what is in the children's section at our local library in 2023. Sue Ann, uh, we only have a few minutes left, but I wanted to, we kind of teed it up. You were getting your first chance to speak at a library meeting. I'm going to be honest. 
I'm not even sure I realized there were such things as library board meetings. It's just way down on the list of things that I'm, I'm uh, wanting to do. But uh, So you got your chance to speak after finding out what is in your local library, and how did that go, and what did you say? Well, I just told them that it was my opinion that these books were clearly grooming of very young children. And and that in Alabama, you know, you could be accused of distributing porn to minors if it, the books are going to 17 and under. Yes, ma'am. And and not just little bitty children, but I, the Auburn Library Board has take some, taken some remedial action in that there are parental uh, guards on library cards to make it so that, say, a 15-year-old can't come in there and check this stuff out. The parents can put a guard on the card, you know, electronically. Well, well, so, uh, so let me ask you this, though. I wander in. I'm 15 years old because, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to go by the library. My parents are going to pick me up in a little while. I might try to ask them if I can walk to the local hamburger joint. But, um, right. but while I'm in the library... I don't have to check the book out to uh, read Correct. it. And, exactly. Okay. To be blunt, what I saw that caused me to say this was grooming is an illustration, not a photograph, but an illustration from a book that showed, and this is disgusting to say, but to be graphic, to get people galvanized, it showed two young boys uh, having oral sex with each other. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's okay. what I saw. It was that bad. I saw another photograph that showed, I mean, well, a photograph of an illustration that showed a um, a grown woman naked with a grown man naked. They're having oral sex, but what you see underneath the woman looking over her shoulder is a little boy's face. <gasps> oh. That's wow. how bad, that's how graphically bad it's gotten. And, and we need, what we need is we need, and Auburn did put two people on the board last night. They voted, they now have their five again. They've already replaced the two, but unfortunately they replaced, replaced one person who's very LGBTQ. They gave her another term. Oh, of course they did. Absolutely. So we managed to get, we managed to get one conservative on the library board and that's the start. But, but I need, I don't need. 20 people that are Christians or uh, Orthodox Jewish people or even Muslims because Islam hates this. I used to be director of international programs at Auburn, so I'm telling you Islam hates this stuff. We need to reach out to our neighbors. They're all people of all faiths, all decent human beings. They could be an atheist to think this is disgusting, but we need to reach out to our neighbors instead of staying on Facebook all the time and other social media and, and we need to get out there and find out what's going on in our local community. And I think it's horrendous what's happened with Donald Trump being indicted and taken into court. And hey, you know what? If the, if our local communities are falling apart, then what is, I hate to quote Hillary Clinton, but what difference does that make? You know, That's a very good the point. Country, you know, and we've got a super majority of Republicans in the legislature down there right now. And I've done a lot of research on this since that first library board meeting. And we actually now are at the point that we really need people get with their local legislators to sponsor some legislation down in Montgomery that will strengthen our porn laws, especially child porn laws. 
You got it. Sue Ann, we got to go. Thank you for the work you're doing. Hopefully people will go check out their local library. And um, ladies, it's a, it's, a, it's a real mess. Thank you so much uh, for joining us on this episode of Alabama Unfiltered.